Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Friday, March the 3rd. I'm Tony Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 on the Twitter handle. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin, at Sean Martin TCW on the Twitter handle. How are you doing, Sean? Is that a fabulous Friday where you are? It is. I am looking out and it's, it's as dreary as always, so that warms my heart, Tony. The, the, the Inverclyde Riviera, yep. as it's known. Yes, it's as dreary as ever. Well, there you go. Well, we'll try and bring that up by talking about everything Celtic in the fullness of time. But first and foremost, guys, we do it every day and we say thank you to everybody who's subscribed already. We're getting more and more subscribers every day and we appreciate it greatly. And if you want to subscribe to the Celtic Way website and support top quality football journalism covering the club you love, it'll cost you £2 for two months of unlimited access to everything that's written on the website. And as I say every day, it's all for a click of a button, guys. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And we also say thank you to Seneca. And as you know by now, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are a number one hair transplant company in Europe. And they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out a lot more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Now, Sean, we always it never stops, really, does it, Celtic? But uh, overnight, the departed Josip Juranovic has been talking all about the fact that he left Celtic and mentioned various things. But among it, he has spoken about he was sad. Celtic never did a lot to keep him and he also mentioned the fact that if Celtic won the treble that's <laughs> more medals for him because he's racked up enough appearances so he was having a wee kind of slide digger a pop there but yeah I mean uh, do we move on from Josip Juranovic is he yesterday's man considering the fact he mentioned today's man which is Alistair Johnston so do we do we say thank you to Josip for his 18 months but we're moving on Suggest he does the same type thing. I I think that's exactly what you do. Um, he probably was a he was a fan's favourite. He'd fireball that kind of thing. Yeah. So people will keep an eye out for him. I would imagine. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, I um, you mentioned the you mentioned today's man rather than yesterday's <laughs> yes. man. You uh, you wrote last night's news re- uh, newsletter on that very guy. Uh, some selective devilment <laughs> in him. You say he's a wee bit radio <laughs> rental, but he's in the right way. Uh, Alistair yes. Johnston, of course, we're talking about based off the of the, the kind of appearances that he's made so far. Positive impression, really quite a, quite a charismatic character, I think as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of presence on the park as you saw at Hamden, and you wrote a wee uh, not an ode to him, but like almost a just a consideration of of what he's done since he came in and how how quickly he's learned on it, Tony. Yeah, I've been, and you said there, I, I did say he's a bit radio rental in a good way, and I, I used the kind of phrase that he, yeah, selective devilment, but he picks and chooses where he channel his aggression, and I was talking about the fact he bounced a few players into, Rangers players into the imaginary plexiglass as if he was playing ice hockey, but he's still got that in him, and that's what I, I really like about him, Sean, we've spoken about that before, but I think if ever a player has settled in so quickly and embraced it, mm-hmm. it's uh, Alistair Johnson, but I also picked up Ange Postacoglu for bringing him in so quickly. And uh, he was the coolest customer around when it was kind of mooted that Josip Juranovic would be leaving the club. People were up in arms, but Andrew was like, 
fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll deal with this. I'll sort it. And he did. And he did it before the World Cup. Didn't wait till after the World Cup. Did it before the World Cup. And uh, everybody then watched Alistair Johnson at the World Cup to see what kind of player he was like. Mm-hmm. Thrown in at Ibrooks first game, flying colours. I mentioned the fact that he could have got closer to Kent for, for the goal, but that was part of the learning process because Kent never got anywhere near that kind of room on Sunday. You know, he's played two two Rangers games and he's got a League Cup winner's medal in his pocket already. And in his own words, the first of many, stick around and the good times will keep rolling, he said. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, yeah, I uh, I like the cut of his jib. I think mm-hmm. you would call it in kind of uh, Glasgow or West, West of Scotland parlance. And uh, I think a lot of the Celtic supporters have warmed to him already, haven't they? They have. I Pete G here giving him very, very lofty praise. He says, we thank Yaranovic uh, for his service, but his new hero is Alistair Johnston. Feels like he was born to play for Celtic. That is lofty praise. But yeah. Tony, coming back to your mention of Ange Postacoglu, um, within the course of Yaranovic's chat, he said that like, Celtic's, it was true love between him and Celtic, all that kind of thing. He really respects Ange Postacoglu as a coach. Uh, but he also said he'd upgraded his career, which, which is true in terms of league, clearly, but but not in terms of club. I think we can all agree with, with that chat when, when Union Berlin came up. Um, and then he also mentioned Alistair Johnston signing. Um, he referenced that he'd heard he'd signed while he was out in Qatar uh, and his reaction to it. And he said, uh, and I'll just quote him, he says, I was thinking we would have three fullbacks. Someone will be on the bench, someone will be in the stands, and someone will be, uh, someone will be playing, someone will be in the stands. Someone will be on the bench. I knew I would maybe not play two games in a row, but maybe play the third one. I didn't like that some some of that stuff because of the national team. If you're not playing regularly for your club, you won't get called up for the national team. That's the main reason why I left. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Tony? Is it fair comment or is it bit odd if that's the main reason? I find that. I, I read that this morning and I found it strangely odd. Surely a player, if they're confident in their own ability, would think that they'd be able to see off the challenge mm. of both Johnston and uh, Anthony Ralston. And I know the manager likes to rotate, but if you think you're the number one in that position, then you know you trust your own self, don't you? Trust mm. your own ability. But also, uh, you know, if it's true love, it, clearly not true love, is it? <laughs> kind of, uh, I love you, I love you, but we'll see what's out there. Okay, mm, I'm, I'm unsure of myself. And we've had this conversation before about what he was worth and what he actually went for. Mm-hmm. I thought Josip Juranovic was a decent player. That's all. And I, I, I spoke about it on here. I took some abuse for saying Celtic would be lucky. Well, I said £12 million got you a seat at a table to start conversation and that round of negotiations. And people were quick to, to jump on the bandwagon and turn around and tell him he was worth 25 and 30 million, which I, I thought was nonsense at the time. Mm-hmm. proved to be nonsense. And uh, he had a, a decent World Cup, or he won one certainly notable game in the World Cup, didn't he? But I thought he was a decent player, but that's all. And I thought Celtic did uh, a great piece of business with him. You always banged on about his age, which mm-hmm. you, you know. So, as I say, I, I've moved on from Juranovic. I like Alistair Johnson. If Juranovic stayed, it wouldn't have perturbed me either. But mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, yeah, um, thank you, Josip, for your service. <laughs> we enjoyed your time while you were here. 
you are now gone. You are yesterday's man. We welcome today's men, Alistair Johnson and also Anthony Ralston, not forgetting about him. I still feel quite sorry for you, Tony, about the uh, the abuse you got on, particularly on Twitter, for the for the, the Yaranovich newsletter, because I remember on this, we were both talking about it, and I think I said, if anyone goes anywhere near 10 million, he's probably gone. And you were a wee bit more... Can I, oh, maybe 12, maybe 12, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then you had you obviously decided to write the newsletter about it, which prompted all the yeah, yeah, all the, the kind of the, the powers that you got on Twitter. But ultimately, you were proved right. Um, it wasn't actually worth the 20 million because nobody was worth uh, willing to pay it for them. I'm not being wise, Sean. I always say it's what your eyes are telling you, what, what, what you're seeing. That's what I was seeing. <clears throat> I can't speak for others and what they're seeing. I don't dismiss their, their, their opinion or, or their thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I was being brutally honest with my own assessment of Josip Juranovic and I couldn't see what other people were seeing in him to, to brand him a player that was in the same uh, worth bracket as say Kieran Tierney, which I no, just couldn't no. which I just couldn't see. Mm-hmm. But you know, and and I, I say I never never shouted anybody down, they're entitled to their opinion as much as I am. I, I just put it out here on this platform and say wrote the newsletter and you know, it, it, it kind of startled me as to get a difference of opinion on on Josip Juranovic. But I'll ask the Celtic supporters now, who would they rather have, Josip Juranovic or Alistair Johnson? I think the answer would be quite startling. I think we'd all agree that they'd probably prefer Alistair Johnson. Now, he's had a, he's had a flying start, granted, but there were games where Josip Juranovic, I thought, was, you know, found wanting at times. But yeah, he won two trophies with Celtic, <laughs> and he also referenced the fact that he could win more because I'm going to put this up from my hash. Um, he thinks Juranovic <laughs> was yesterday by implying he was maybe pushed. <laughs> uh, thinks Celtic had no choice but to cover bases given the movement rumours around them, uh, and that would have extended back to the summer transfer yeah. window as well. So I think he's got a point there. I think it's only, I mean, we all said it at the time. Very early to get in a, a replacement, but you would rather have the replacement in rather than um, rather than not. Um, so I, I think we all rightly credited Celtic for the way they've gone about their business in the last few transfer windows, and that includes getting Alistair Johnston in before Juranovic left. Now, whether you think that he is rewriting history or whether he's just given his point of view is a different matter. Um, and again, what you've touched on with the valuation, whether you think he was worth more than what he went for or not, is almost another matter as well. And I, I never quite did think he was a 20 million mark, as as, as we said. Um, that said, after the World Cup, I thought it might have went up a wee bit higher than what I'd initially thought. It didn't. It kind of stuck about It kind of stuck about the same price. But I think what Andrew Galea said there, about he won a couple of trophies. He was quite popular, and I remember fondly. That probably sums it up. What I would say, Tony, that my ultimate takeaway is, uh, when, you, when you see him mentioning the respect for Ange Postecoglou, but also kind of hinting that maybe he thought the club would have tried harder is ultimately I think it's clear that even from the outside he was up for leaving um, not only given the fact he actually left but just the whole way that he was saying it given how much he says he respects Ange Postecoglou he will have known that once your eye is wandering Ange isn't going to try to make you think otherwise beyond pointing out that the club you're at should be enough so it's good that they've still got that respect for each other, but ultimately, I think I think he must have known once once he was talking about going that he wasn't really going to be telling him, "Oh no, you need to stay." Yeah, I think you credit the manager here in terms of who were the two players that intimated they wanted to leave. 
Josh Granovich and George Jack and Marcus. Yeah. Who are the two players that have since left? Mm-hmm. No distractions. You don't want to play for Celtic? Fine. There's the door. We won't stand in your way. If you can get a club and sort it out, so be it. You know, good luck, as you said before, finding that happiness once you leave Celtic. Uh, and to talk about uh, he loved the club and all that, that that's fair enough. You get that, but James Forrest said it as well. He spoke to players that have left Celtic and uh, they wish they hadn't. So, don't know if Juranovic is maybe seeing that the grass isn't always greener, but he, mm. he, might, he might be earning more money, but you don't know. As I say, that's fine. Players, when players leave the club, it affects them in, in different ways. But, you know, the manager, as you say, just no putting up with it. Players that he wants, players that are fully committed to the club, and he doesn't want it becoming a sideshow, a circus, or a, a distraction to any other players in the dressing room by filling their heads with he could get X amount going elsewhere. There was two protagonists in January who agitated for a move, and they've both got it. I'm not saying there were bad influences in the dressing room, far from it, but the manager did not allow it to fester and become any kind of influence in the dressing room with other players. You want to leave, you leave, we'll continue in the path we're down. And, and that's what I really like. How many times you've seen these things drag on and it affects the team morale, it affects dressing rooms, stuff like that. You, you nailed it there, so he's not going to put up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're 100% committed to this club, or, or there's the exit door. And you bear them no ill will because they both, <coughs> excuse me, they both gave Celtic what eighteen months of good service, mm-hmm. and you they will be fondly remembered. But like the manager says, Celtic are moving on. Players will come and go. Favourites too. Get used to it. They've gone, so they become as I said there yesterday's men, and you you work with what you've got. And at the minute, this minute in time, I think Celtic are in a good place having parted company with both those players. Yeah, um, I mean, there's plenty of comments coming in just pointing out he's he's, he's a player, he's entitled to go um, to further his career if he feels that's where he would further it. Obviously, we've said it's a better league, there's no doubt about that. It's not a bigger club, um, although they are currently enjoying a really, really good season, so they're, they're third in the Bundesliga. He's hoping, and he said in that interview, that he's hoping that he's back at Parkhead in the Champions League mm-hmm. next year. Uh, with Union Berlin, they're obviously doing well in Europe. Knocked out Ajax, I believe, the other, the other week. He did, yes. Um, scored, didn't he? Yeah, did he? Aye. Aye. So, um, so the, I mean, he's, he's, he's for the rest of this season, he's, he's in for a, a real good season. Technically, technically a title fight. I mean, they're only three points behind Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, but they are only, I think, two points ahead of, uh, it might be Frankfurt that, that's, that's below them. So they could easily slip in. They might end up not in Europe at all, but they could. It could be Conference League or Europa League rather than Champions League. He's obviously hoping it's Champions League, and more power to him if, if that's where he gets. And I think to come back to to um, to one of the first commenters, you 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 bid him good luck. You probably yeah. will look out for his results, but ultimately, yeah, there's there's another right back in the building that's that's kind of starting to steal people's hearts. I think in a way, but I'm going to put this up. We'll come back to him later on. Uh, David Holmes, the main man, is still the bricky. Jason Lee, Tony Ralston is the right back of my heart. We'll, we'll discuss him again later on because don't forget about him is what I would say. Yeah. Alistair yeah. Johnston has been impressive. Juranovic was also playing well for the most part when he was playing. Um, but coming back to those power rankings, the, the last update, he met the minutes threshold and Tony Ralston has been playing fantastically well when he's been called upon this season. It's just he got injured at the wrong time. At, yes. at the Christmas period there. Um, 
because it meant that he was stepping out of the team. Hatate had to play right back, all that kind of stuff. And then when he came back, Johnston was eligible to play. He got injured again. Johnston obviously got thrown in for that derby and he's kind of made that right back slot his since then. He's fit again now. It's an actual competition again. But when he gets the, the, the game time's the question. Yes, correct. And uh, and that's that's now Anthony Ralston's challenge to challenge Alistair Johnson, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for the game time. But, you know, the manager's punctual for rotation. I'm sure he'll get minutes once he proves that he's, that he's fully fit or he's fully back and, he, and his fitness is bang on. For what, for what it's worth, that, when we've done that strongest 11, Tony, I, I still pumped for Ralston at right-back. Um, <laughs> maybe the Hamden performance m- might have made me reconsider it from Alistair Johnston, but uh, my rationale was that last year, when me and you done it at the end of the January transfer window, I picked Ralston over Juranovic in the strongest 11 because... Partly because Juranovic had played a lot at left-back, although he was preferred in the, the League Cup final when both were, were ready and all that kind of stuff. He was clearly Ange's first choice. Statistically, Ralston was off on more in virtually every category. Uh, he'd also played more at right-back at that point. So I kind of used the same rationale and I was saying, well, there was only like, I think, a half a football between the minutes that Ralston had played and the minutes that Johnston had played. And Ralston yeah. was off on more in every category. So it was like, well, Ralston's a stronger right-back. Again, the Hamden, the Hamden performance might have influenced it if uh, if it was after it we did it rather than before it. But but I don't don't forget about Ralston is what I would say because he yeah. has been doing really really well this season and he's uh, in his minutes that he's been called for. How can you forget about the bricky? I mean, come on, how can you forget the bricky? Indeed. Now, Sean, the bandwagon moves on to Paisley. Don't mention September, Black September, Paisley, but it has to be addressed. Celtic return. To the scene of the crime, Sean, their only crime this season is uh, when they lost a match uh, 2-0 to St Mirren and Paisley, who were well worth it that day. Celtic had the proverbial bad day at the office, but St Mirren were excellent that day. Celtic played in the grey strip. You know, big boy did it and ran away. Dog ate my homework. You can use all the excuses you want, Sean. Celtic were, as I say to someone uh, on the in the DM chat, Celtic were boofing that day, weren't they? That's not what I was for it. They were just absolutely boofing. Uh, and, yeah, I think a difference, Sean. I think both teams are in a different headspace going into this one, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Celtic shrugged that off as, as, as easily as what you would hope they would have shrugged it off because yes. a blip can become a blot, um, can end up taking over a full page if, if you let it get to you they didn't they they shrugged that off domestically and, and have been imperious since then um so it didn't it didn't develop into anything more than what it was which was a a, a bad day put it that way they still created enough that day to do more than, than what they came away with too a 2 0 defeat was was um maybe flattering but St Mirren did play well uh whether or not the grey strip had anything to do with it I don't know can I possibly comment I suppose we'll see in Sunday if they, if they believe it, then to do yeah. it a la, a la Man United uh, under Fergie. Um, but ultimately, I think you're right. They do come into it in different, uh, different fettle. I think when I was looking at the, as I always do, I was looking at the kind of form and all that. St Mirren come into it. It's weird. It's a, it's a it's weird form when you look at St Mirren. I draw a win and a loss in their last three, Tony. But see, when you widen it out, it's three losses in their last five. But when you widen it out again, it's actually four wins and a draw in their last ten. So it's a hard team to gauge in terms of what's going to turn up. Um, 
the, but they're fifth in the league. They're a good. They are a good team. They're having a, a, a good season by by their standards. They're ahead of Aberdeen with the same games played. Um, also ahead of Livingston, although Livingston have got a game in hand and could go above them. <clears throat> but specifically at home, which is obviously where Celtic have, have lost their their, league, their only league game this season. Their their actual home form is middling. See in terms mm. of the league, it's fifth best home record. So it's not exactly as if they're setting that light. You've got Celtic Rangers, obviously, but. Even that, it's uh, fifth, fifth is mid-table, but overall, it's eight wins, four draws and two defeats from 14. So I think that is actually good home form. It's just that other teams maybe are slightly have slightly better home form. And I would I'd put it in this sense, they've taken the same number of points at St Mirren Park that Hearts have at Tynecastle. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a hard place to go again, but I just I don't see Lightning striking twice, Tony, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> Derek Crawford's got the memo. Can see Celtic okay. giving them an interest crack that curtain. He says, You're learning, Derek. I sort of like the uh, defeat was simply a blip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what I did admire about St. Mun at the cup tie, despite the fact they finished 5 1, they did have a go. Mm-hmm. They came to play football. Uh, a 2 0 game, they kind of sat in and <clears throat> and had a, had a game plan to actually stop Celtic from playing. And then when they got their chances, they took them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you. I'm not sure what Superman will turn up this time. They'll be mindful of the fact that they had a go at Celtic Park and ended up coming off 5 1 losers. Or do mm. you sit in again and try and, you know, uh, I mean, everything went for Superman that day. Celtic were terrible, you know, and and uh, they, as I say, they were quite uh, clinical when the opportunities presented themselves. So, it, uh, as I say, I don't know what Superman are going to turn up, but they have caused Celtic problems. Certainly, need to be mindful of that. But uh, as I say to you on Monday, I'm glad that there's that edge to it because sometimes with cup finals you can have a wee dip. Because mm-hmm. I think it was I was talking to I'm sure it was Steve McGrory actually that reminded me that I think last season after the league cup final one against the Berlin Celtic drew nil nil was it, man? Did I second December? Yep. Yeah. So he was pointing that out to me, and it was Steve that I said that Celtic were bouffing. I say, to be fair, how you doing, Steve? Hope you're listening. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm mindful of that, that you can have a wee bit of a come down after such a kind of high and, you know, and exhilaration from winning the trophy. So I'm glad there's that extra edge to this game in Paisley on Sunday that Celtic will want to right that wrong from early in the season. And I know they've played them and beat St Mirren, but they have to go there, as you said, go to the same place and kind of exercise that, that demon, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost, and you know, I like to use the box analogies, but like, when someone suffers an upset loss, like Lennox, Lennox Lewis, yes. the famous one, an upset loss and come back, was it Raman? Was it he get he yeah. beat? I assume Raman. Um, get beat, upset loss, shock. The first thing you want to do is you want to go and you want to, you want the rematch, you want to beat them again. Just just to put everybody's mind at ease that that was just an upset, that was just an off day. Yeah. Like, now Celtic have played them since and, and beat them and beat them well since, but still I'd like you, like to see them do it uh, at St Mirren Park, I suppose. Um, whether they put any stock in that or not, I suspect Ange Postecoglou probably won't. He'll probably dismiss that line of thought later on at the presser. Yeah. He'll probably just say that like, every game's different, every game's its own challenge. We play our own game, all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, from from our point of view, I like talking about that kind of stuff because it does give you an edge. Um, on that last game, David Ferguson asked who was in the back four when St Mirren beat Celtic, and Pete McGee said who, who, what was the team. So I'll just, I'll just give you the full team. So I've got it in front of me, um, which was Hart and Goal. Back four are Anthony Ralston, Stephen Welsh, Maurice Jens, Greg Taylor. Midfield three are McGregor, Moy and Turnbull. 
and then up front it was Abada, Kyogo and Maida. Still a strong team, still a team that's capable of beating St Mirren, uh, Tony. But the, the one glaring omission there, which I'm sure you're, you were just about to say, is uh, no Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yes. Which always, always affects the players round about them. Yes, yes, I correct. And, uh, yeah, and listen, you, I don't, we'll try to predict an 11, which would be pretty difficult mm. because you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at Haksabanovic's cameo on Sunday in the League Cup final, you say to yourself, no, he was looking sharp, wasn't he? Granted, he missed a couple of sitters, but, you know, he, he looked good when he came on and he looked like somebody who's bursting to actually think he was trying a bit too hard to score and get on the score sheet. And, uh, you know, but he was he, he was just someone who had been unleashed, wasn't he, from the traps and he and he got going. And does he come into your thinking? Possibly. Can yes. you drop Can you drop Maida? You know, yes. do you, <laughs> well, there you go. I'll come. I'll come to why I might because you know I, I back my either up to the help, but I'll come to why when we come to maybe yeah. selection qualities yeah. and different yeah. things. Jason Lee saying Starfoot played like a god versus Rangers. Correct. Yep. I he was my man of the match on Sunday. Myself and Sean kept looking at each other and saying, "Is that Starfelt or, or Beckenbauer there?" You know, we were laughing, weren't we? Just he had an absolute stormer. Uh, apart from the blips near the end, which came within minutes or seconds of each other, and mm-hmm. people were jumping onto that. But that apart, he was he was pretty solid, and he was my man of the match. Johnston was a man of the match contender as well. You know, Hatati is superb, and Moy when they were on the park were, were excellent, and mm-hmm. they uh, you know they created the goal. So yeah, Derek Crofts, I think because of that, but the real strong team wouldn't be surprised if a badder starts. Yep, possibly. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, his last start was actually... Rest. His, his only start in the last five was against St Mirren in the Cup. Uh, a bad and getting an assist in that game, obviously. I'm going to throw this up because it leads me into the head-to-heads that I've got marked down. Patrick McLaughlin. Uh, Celtic haven't scored a goal at St Mirren Park yet under Ange because it was 0-0 in the first season, which is the game that Steve McGrory was telling you about. Um, on the head-to-heads, Tony, Celtic have won five of the last seven. One draw, one loss, obviously that famous loss in September. Uh, but they've kept five clean sheets in seven as well. Um, at St Mirren Park, they lost that last visit, obviously. But before that, they hadn't lost since 2013. Uh, I know one of those, as Patrick rightly points out, was, was a 0-0 draw. So technically, Ange Postacoglu's record there isn't great, but it's only two games. Um, but since 2013, uh, before that was the last time they'd lost. So it was 11 games, eight wins, three draws. So... Yeah, and another way of looking at it, as I just said, is that Celtic are winless in two because they drew in that December 2021 game. But I think that would be maybe not so much glass half empty as three quarters empty to look at it that way. But. <laughs> well, here's the man himself, Steve McGrory. Morning, Steve. Morning, Tony and Sean. Some man will be different too. Erehon sold Gallic and the younger out. It won't be easy, but he thinks Celtic should have enough to win by two. That's well, they played. Uh, it's funny she mentioned Declan Gallagher because there was no kind of update because I was listening to Steve uh, Stephen Robert Robinson's kind of post match stuff just to see if he said when he thought he would be back or, or whatever. Um, but I was kind of thinking, probably not from the start. I mean, Q, Q goal start. He's in too good, too too fine form for that. But I would like to see O up against uh, Declan Gallagher. Um, but yeah, obviously, yeah. if he if he's not playing, that's 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 
by the by. But I did notice that they've been playing Alex Gogic. They, no, they've been playing. They did play Alex Gogic at centre back as part of their back three, back five um, against St Johnston the other day. And I'm wondering if that is what they'll go with again. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how he copes in an unfam- a fairly unfamiliar position if Kyogo's buzzing about him. Yes. That, could be, that could be something to watch. But I'm still intrigued with the. I, I like to look at Haxabana, which I, I'm. I, I mean, spoiler alert. I think you'll be in my starting 11. Spoiler alert, he's in mine. Um, as you'll have seen if you, you looked at the shell that's in the system. But, <laughs> uh, and I mean, we'll come we'll come to the, maybe certain areas, but just before we move on from St Mirren, and, to, and this, will, this will inform it why I've ended up going for Haxabanovich is um, what kind of game I think it will be um, primarily. So St Mirren have got the joint lowest average possession in the league, right? Which is which is maybe natural just the way that they play, but you ally that, Tony, with the fact that they've got the third stingiest defence, the fact that they don't press particularly high, and they've got the worst challenge inten- intensity in the league, which means that they're not that active in trying to win it back when they do lose it, right? <laughs> so even by Celtic's lofty standards, that could be a really ball-ball-dominant day. That could be like 80% possession. I mean, obviously, an early goal would be key and it changes everything an early goal. But if that's the kind of game that it's going to be, mm-hmm. you can kind of see where my thought process is going with maybe Maida won't get the space. Maybe Haxabanovich's guile is what you're looking for. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It might be it might but, be that kind of game where he gets a start because he doesn't usually get a start now. So uh, I think it could be Kraft and Guile. Yeah. You know, uh, on Sunday to break. Smithing down because you see, I and there might not be that space. AKH 2001 wants to see Haxabanova and sorry, Haxabanovich and Iwata. Iwata, Iwata did well, but I don't see him starting. Um, no, I thought he did well too. To be fair, I thought he uh, solidified that midfield and Celtic got a grip again, and it wasn't surprising that they had those chances late on because I think he came in there and you know, they, they, I think, I mean, the. The rhetoric that came out that Rangers had a good 20-25 minutes, I, I'm not buying that. Rangers had a good 10-15 minutes tops. But when I looked at the highlights back, Joe Hart didn't have a save to make. No, he, did, he, he literally didn't. He, I mean, he scored a goal, but he literally did not make a save. It was territorial stuff. They were winning second balls in 50-50s mm-hmm. for, for a... Callum McGregor actually said it was a 10-12 to 12 minute period. He was very precise. You know, so, because he and, feels every minute of that, I think. Yeah, of course. We've not got it. We've not so, got it. And when you're sitting there watching it, it, it looked a lot longer, didn't it? Because mm-hmm. I went to you one point and said, Celtic are not at the races here. But when I went home in the cold light again, watched it again, they, they regained their composure and regained the initiative in the midfield. And Awata was a big part of that. But I guess when you're there, it feels a bit a bit more, kind of, I don't know, something that you can't control. And you, I think just everybody saw Celtic possibly giving up a two-goal lead, which was unthinkable. Uh, but it didn't turn out that way. And Derek Crawford saying, Cal Mack ain't getting rested. We all know what he's like. Don't think he'll be rested either. To be fair, don't think he'll be rotated. I think Steve McGrory's got a great point here, which is which is why it ends up getting into my head, trying to do these predicted 11s <laughs> when there's midweek games, because he says essentially it's three games in seven days, so there will be rotation. For me, the, the question is, does he rotate more in the first game of that, the middle game of that, or the last game of that? Because, remember, it's a doubleheader against um, against Hearts. 
Yes. One of which is a must win. They're all must win, but more, one of which is the very definition of a must win and that it's a cup tie. So yeah. that's where it starts getting into my head and I wake up in a cold sweat going, who am I going to pick for this predicted 11, Tony? I think you should be the expert. You get 11 out of 11 in for a cup tie. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up, Sean. You know me, my old man or janitor. Uh, yeah. Mm. But I'm going to say, just, just before I forget, I'll put it in the comments. When I was talking about who wasn't playing in that last uh, game at St. Manning Park, I mentioned Cameron Carter-Vickers. Uh, that is a, a great plug for Alan Morrison's latest column, which is on the site today, which is, I mean, I've headlined that Cameron Carter-Vickers taught Connor Goldson a lesson and it won Celtic the Cup. Because Alan has gone on to, there is stats in it. There is stats in it. Alan's obviously a data guy, but primarily he's looked at their, their performances on that day. And basically how each of them being the main central defenders for their team, the, the central defensive leaders for their team, how each of them reacted to potential mm. stressful situations. And basically, and it probably won't surprise any of you, but digging into it is really interesting, that Cameron Carter-Vickers stood up where Conor Goldson shrunk slightly. Um, and Alan's making the point that as much as there were other players that were really, really good on the day, and Kyogo scored twice and Hatate was brilliant and all of that, Sometimes it's it's what you do at the back that, that feeds that confidence throughout the rest of the team. And I think the way Alan put it was such moments, cup finals can be won or lost by how someone responds to a stressful situation. Yeah. Cameron Carter-Vickers, and again, this will not surprise any of you, he, he, he reacted exactly how you would hope he would react, whereas his opposite number didn't. Uh, and I, I'll put it like the comments. It's a, a, a very <coughs> interesting piece. Yeah, yeah, it's a good piece. Always is with Alan. To be fair to him, Derek Crawford, because I'm strongest team available until the league is Celtics, then play some of the B team who are playing very well, i.e. Dawson and Vata, if Vata is back fit. Yep, the Martin O'Neill method of near yes. the end of the season, if, you're, if you've won it, give the likes of Maloney and stuff, and uh, so I think Jamie Smith and all them, their, yeah. their, um, their debuts. But I have no problem with that at all. You know I, I, I kind of look forward to seeing youngsters come through, as I think everybody does. Um, I think... Except for that situation, the other situation is injury crisis. But even that, the depth of the squad and the senior players that are there, I mean, it's it's very very hard. Even even in that situation, for B teamers to get a game, um, you've seen it with the, the right back crisis. If we're going to put it that way, it was Hatati that played there rather than any of the right backs from the B team. So it's very difficult for them to break through. I've said that before, but but all they can do is is um, impress at B team level, which several of several of them are. Uh, if they're not going to get first in football at Celtic, they're going to need to look at a loan move, I think. Yes, I agree with that. Now, here's a comment, Sean, that you might like from Dyson's Bald Head. Hit that like button, guys. 360 watching, totally 16 likes. Great content. He's taking 3 0 on Sunday. Thank you very much, Dyson's Bald Head, whoever you are. Yeah, there's the post. It's a great name, to be fair. That's why I flicked up. That's <laughs> very kind. Um, I, I mean, just um, I've got a couple of, couple of stats, Tony, before we move on to the team selection quandaries properly. But just want to point out, I said that, that um, St Mirren have got the third stingiest defence, right? But they've actually conceded the joint most goals from penalties in the division, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know how much you can read into that these days. I don't no, know about no. you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're rash in and about their own box because... Well, quite frankly, VAR has shown that it's not consistent in what it awards for penalties, so they might have just been unlucky with a few of them. Will that trouble Celtic? Do you see them getting a penalty on Sunday? 
I don't know, Tony. You can never predict a, a Celtic player yes. accurately, I don't think. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that when we come to it. What's the other stat? Eh, uh, bop, 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 bop. No, that was it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a strange one, that isn't it? Because obviously, did you say they, they give away the most penalties here, son? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, sorry, no. I sorry, I well, no, not that they've. I don't know necessarily how many they've gave away, but they've conceded the most. So they've conceded the eight from right. penalties, which is joint most with Aberdeen, for instance. Maybe someone's gave away 10, but they've only conceded seven, that kind of thing. I don't know, so I can't put it in quite those terms, but they've conceded the most from well, penalties in the league. So. They did concede a VAR penalty at Celtic Park in the Cup tie, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Which ended up with the the player being sent off as well, didn't it? For, yeah, for uh, that was the one that was like one of them actually handballed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was difficult to see. But, uh, I, yeah. I, again, I don't think the referee had any, any choice, or the VAR had any choice at that point, because um, once you decide that it is a handball, then it has prevented a goal. So you need to set them off. Um, yeah, that that was no. a that was a textbook rule book penalty award, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And red card award. By the, people make this phrase by the letter of the law. <laughs> so by the letter of the law, it had to go, and the penalty was awarded for for that reason. So that's fair enough. Reminds me of line of duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Now, Sean, you were talking about selection quandaries. Does the manager have selection? I'm going to say quandaries because they're not dilemmas or headaches because they're, they're good quandaries to have, actually. He's a, what do you say? I was going to say the word there. He's lucky to have that kind of depth. Yeah, he is, he is lucky, but only in so far as you create your own luck by signing these players, I suppose. But it, it is, it's always a quandary because he's just got, he's got so many players. We, we only touched on it for two seconds there about the, the, the options for out wide. And um, you can see why, well, one, why we keep doing these predicted 11s, because it's not always obvious, yeah. and two, why it gets into our heads a wee bit. It's not going to be obvious for Sunday's game, Sean. Um, I mean, I'm thinking the kind of, the back four's kind of untouchable at the minute, isn't it? I reckon it probably is, but I would throw out there that despite everything we said about Alistair Johnston, I do really want to see what Ralston does when he gets a shout to play against Whether that will be Sunday or not, who knows? But I'm expecting him to play one of, at least one of those three games. Um, would, in you risk Ralston, would you risk Ralston away to St Mun in a tricky game where you're trying to play I suppose insofar as he's not been playing. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I mean. In terms of it being Ralston, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a risk. Um, but yeah, and your midfield, do you rest any of that midfield who who got a rest actually well, on Tony with the, the midfield? It's just every week, it's yeah. really a moy, really a moy, really a moy. Um, it's a toss up still for me on any given day, I suppose. I'll go really, but with no real confidence again, either way. Because I mean, again, you're the reigning champ 11 out of 11, so who, <laughs> who do you reckon moy again? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm inclined to think you might go with O'Reilly too. Uh, to be fair, just uh, just to give the kind of guys who put in because I thought thought Moy was excellent on Sunday, and then he then he came off. But they do need a a break, you know, at times. And as I say, it is a toss up with Moy and O'Reilly, so it's not any room for Turnbull. Curtis is asking Tony. Not uh, for me, Curtis. From the start, no. Moment. 
Mm, from no, the bench, not, though. Not start, no. Uh, no. From and, the bench, though. From the bench, possibly, yeah. And people are talking about Iwata as well. So, yeah, possibly uh, Iwata coming on again. Uh, so, yeah, I got the final 11 correct also. Well done, Derek. Good man. And I think we've done well. Spoiler alert for the front three, haven't we? Aksabanovic is going to come Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, up front, well, aye, up front, I think, I take it we're both agreed, Kyogo's going to play. Yeah, yeah, Kyogo will play. He's undroppable, but um, as I said earlier on, I'm keen to see you up against, uh, Steve was saying, Detlin Gallagher's out, so up against Gogic if he plays at the back, because uh, Gogic is quite physical in midfield, so I presume he's going to be physical at the back as well, but... That'll be later in the game anyway, I reckon, because I think Kyogo will start. But on the wings, I mean, again, Abada's only start the past five games was against St Mirren in the Cup, and he got an assist. Is there a shout for him? Uh, given all I said about the kind of game I've already said, could it be Haxabanovich's guile over Maida's intensity on the left? I don't know, Tony. I think I think I probably will go Haxabanovich because I've, I've written it in the thing, although I've not opened my, my, kind of, my entry for it yet. Um I kind of want to see, and I've said this before, I want to see Haxabanovic, Kyogo and Jota together. But whether it will be or not, anyone's guess, I think. Yeah, you've got to keep playing Jota on the wing, even if it's just to hear Early Dixon's version of the song. <laughs> it's absolutely magnificent. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's brilliant. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see Haxabanovic uh, come back into the side. And I think this is kind of an ideal game. Got a taste of it on Sunday. Should have scored a couple, actually. I just think he's busting and raring to go. And I think you maybe need that. You know, we're talking about Guile and Kraft. Mm-hmm. You know, he scored a wonderful goal against Ross County when he bent it in. You know, he's capable of that. And I like that about him. So I think that might be the the afternoon to unleash uh, Haxabanovic. And I'll put him in place of uh, Maida. Nah. Maybe another one that could do with being rotated, just rested. Because... His energy levels are something else, to be fair. And, uh, yeah, and I think Jota, I don't think we would play Jota after his quietest in the final, and Ange agrees with McCoyst in that. But I always think in Jota, you have a potential match winner at any given time. <laughs> Jota on the wing, Jota on the wing. Indeed. I just think Jota can give you something a bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, you spoke about earlier about the space. If Jota's space is restricted, then he might not play Jota, eh? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Again, tying yourself in knots about... I, I mean, that that as I say, that's probably the front three I'll be going with. I think you could make a chat, you could make a, a shout for Abada to maybe come back in for a start because he's not had many lately. Um, and yeah, Jota was quietish. I agree with the quietish thing because he had a couple of good moments in the final, yeah, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the first half. Um, but given the type of game, I think it might be, yeah, I think going for guile over over intensity. I mean, they're all intense. That They are all intense, but it's just nice. Yeah. That's why I, that's why I've been saying about Haxabanovic. Uh, I'd be intrigued. Actually, I'm going to put this up because I'd be intrigued to see him up against uh, uh, Ryan Strain. Yeah. Um, because he has been really good for St Mirren this season, both statistically and performance-wise. Whether it would be up against Jota or Haxabanovic, in my team it would be Haxabanovic would be up against 
Um, so that just leaves me to decide whether it's Jota or Abada on the other wing. I've got Jota at the moment, but whether I might talk myself into Abada or not <laughs> today, I suppose you'll need to see when it comes out tomorrow, the, the predicted 11. Brian Lennon, front three will be Hacksaw, O and Abada. Oh, there you go. That's it. That's us told. Haxabanovich, O and Abada up front. John? Mm-hmm. Doubt yeah. it, but maybe. <laughs> No, no, I mean, it could be, you never know. This is what I'm talking about with these predicted 11. So there, there, there is a reality in which we look at that team line on Sunday and we've yeah. each got about six out of 11, and that is the front three. <laughs> now, okay, can't put it off any longer. Prediction time? Do you want to go first on me? I'll go first. Okay. I'll say 3-0, the leather belts. Right, okay. I, there, might have, there might be a 3-0 written down here. Uh but to be yeah. different, I'll go. I'll go two now. I'll say it would be quite a difficult one, but it will be. It will be. It will be a difficult start, but a, ultimately a quite a comfortable two now. Okay, Ryan O'Hare agreeing with me three now. Jerry Smith five now. Come on, boys. Yeah, I just four one. Michael Ross says four now. Kevin Ferrier, David O'Rourke going for five now. Convincing Celtic wins basically, Sean. Yeah, apart from FS, who says 2-2. Oh, FS, 2-2. Oh, there you go. That will cross, that, that cross him into St Mirren Park Bogey, Bogey Stadium territory. <laughs> St Mirren Park in New Almondville. Well, FS, Roland Chives will tell your opinion. 2-2, two, two, he says, that's fine. Yeah. Kirsty O'Connor, 3-1. Andrew Gillier, 3-0, all second half. There you go. Well, there you have it. Derek Crawford says 4-0. Gary McDowell, 2-0. Before oh. we wrap up, Tony, I'll throw, I'll throw this in because it went in the somewhere says, Sean, the start man, Martin, sips his cup, clogs start turning, football's rain, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. I bet you're an excellent driver as well. <laughs> 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 but, but if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Excellent. Well, there's 45 minutes, Sean. There's a half of... Uh, Great Celtic chat. Always enjoy it. Guys, thanks for your contributions. Couldn't do it without you. As we say, we like the interaction. We love bouncing off each other. Uh, everybody and what, what your thoughts are. We always say it's result dependent, isn't it? Yep. Uh, in terms of having a, a good weekend. Hopefully Celtic can have a, another beautiful Sunday. Defeat St Martin and as they tick their way down to hopefully retaining their title, Sean. Yep. See how it goes with 12 to go. But yeah, it's uh, on to Paisley. Score to settle in Paisley, I think you'll find, haven't they? We'll see how that goes. We'll see what Ange and whoever is put up says at the respective press conferences today. We always look forward to that. But as we always implore you guys, or we ask you certainly, hit that subscribe button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Thank you to everybody that has so far. It'll cost you £2.00. For two months of unlimited access to everything that's written on the website, put a couple of things up on the comment section today. Alan Morrison's piece on Cameron Carter Vickers and Connor Goldson. There's my own piece on Alistair Johnston as well. Just sort of saying he's settled in very well. He's a wee bit radio rental, but hey, we like that, don't we? Let <laughs> me also say thank you to Seneca. And as everybody knows, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe. And they offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca 
via the links in the description of this video. So thank you to them and thank you for joining us, guys. Have a wonderful weekend, Sean. Or is it Rain Man? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to call you now. All sorts of names, but there you have it. I'll stick with Sean for the time. Hey, Dustin Hoffman, man. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, indeed. <laughs> nice one. But thanks, Sean. First class as always. Take care. Have a fabulous Friday, guys. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.